0: Hey, Local Bites listeners, it's your host here, Amin Yazdani. We're taking a break while we work on an exciting new format for the show. We want to bring you even more valuable conversations, tackling the real life challenges and opportunities local restaurant operators are facing today. The Local Bites podcast is dedicated to equipping leaders of local restaurants and coffee shops, just like yourself, with the information and inspiration you need to fuel your success. I can't give too much away just yet, but we're sure that our new structure will do just that. In the meantime, we'll be hitting rewind on some of our favorite Local Bites episodes. So if you're drooling for some more Local Bites stories, we've got you covered. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Local Bites podcast. I'm Amin Yazdani, your host. It's not easy to start and run local restaurant. There's big upfront investment, tight margins, and lots of hard work. Some might say you need to be a little bit crazy to run a successful restaurant. Yet we all know amazing local entrepreneurs who take on this challenge every day. These people make our local community stronger. Every week, I host one of these amazing people to share their story. My guest this week is Alex Scott, Director of Marketing at Tableside Restaurant Group. Alex, welcome to Local Bites.
1: Thank you so much.
0: So tell me, how did you start in the restaurant industry? What was the starting point for you?
1: So I started in the restaurant industry probably about 13 years ago now, and I just kind of hopped into it by chance. I had kind of fantasized about the restaurant industry, you know, in my teen years, and I graduated college with a marketing degree. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, you know, there was a local pizza restaurant that I just kind of popped into one day got hired on the spot. And I worked in, you know, I worked in like service, I worked in front, front desk, um, kind of that sort of part of the team until I started managing restaurants, you know, mm-hmm. assistant general manager, team lead even bartending um, until I found my way into our corporate office and kind of worked my way up into the position that I'm in now, which is director of marketing for multi-units um, restaurant group. We've been through openings, closings, um, you know, the pandemic we survived. Thank goodness. Right. Um, so I've been doing this position for five years now.
0: Five years. So that, that's interesting. So you you had the degree in marketing, but then you get into the like the all the operation side of the, the restaurants and then came back to the marketing on the director of marketing side. How does that experience of actually being there in the front of the store and of course back of the store and like has shaped your, your career like the, the way that you do marketing right now for the for table side?
1: Right. So I always say that I kind of combined both of my passions, both of my loves, um, which, you know, hospitality has always been something that has been super, you know, super interesting to me. I'm super passionate about, you know, delivering amazing hospitality, but then I, you know, I partner that with having all of the experience of actually working on what I call like the front lines of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not so common that someone in like a director of marketing position, um, especially for like a hospitality group actually has that experience of, you know, working in the back of the house, working, you know, the 12, 15, 16 hour days that... You know the the restaurant industry has is so notorious for, um, but I really do think it gives you know gives my position a certain edge just because I really know kind of how to relate to the operators. Um, mm-hmm. I always say I have the utmost respect for anyone that's in the stores doing the work, um, and I really, really, really make an effort not to kind of throw anything at them from a marketing standpoint that will really like impact operations. Like they're, you know, I never want to come to them and I never want them to be like, oh my gosh, director of marketing's here. What's she going to throw our way today? Um, you know, I, I really try and try and understand where they're coming from. Hey, Thanksgiving day, slammed. Let's kind of tailor what what offers we're going to offer, you know, in a way that it's not going to completely impact operations.
0: Yeah, that challenge, that uh, trade off between operations and marketing is always always challenging. So you having some experience on that side, that definitely helpful. But we we hear that like that usually what, what happens that corporate is looking from their uh, their ivory uh, seats and that they're, they're just looking down and say, oh, let's do that, let's just sell more of that, and then they're really not not taking into account what uh, what the operation impacts going to be. What what are the most important lessons that you've learned? through your operational experiences that now you're applying when you're doing marketing that being uh, most helpful?
1: Honestly, keeping it simple is, and I know that sounds kind of, it sounds simple to keep it simple, but it it really isn't. And when you throw in factors, you know, such as the pandemic, such as, you know, inconsistent sales, meaning either sales explosions or extreme sales drops, um, So, really, just kind of going back to the drawing board and having the confidence to say no to something which might sound like a great idea in your head. Mm -hmm. Um, So, keeping it simple. Um, Another really important lesson, I think, is always kind of keeping your ego out of it. And I think, uh, as you said in the beginning, you know, people that run and operate restaurants might be a little bit crazy. So, you know, we have. Extremely talented chefs, extremely talented operators, and then you know, from my CEO ex- who brings so much experience to the table, down to like you know me as the marketing team, our director of ops, just kind of keeping the ego out of it and making sure that at the end of the day we remember, hey, we are all on the same team, we are all on the same page, we are all working towards the same exact goal. Um, I think that really serves as a good reminder.
0: How do you keep that the the, the ego out of it? Because like. Coming in, again, as you mentioned, talented people around the table, each with amazing ideas that each one of them probably <laughs> is the whole whole business for for itself. How do you keep how do you try to keep this group of talented people focused on the goal, but also keeping the ego out of it? It's not easy to do that, right?
1: No, it is not easy. Um, and it's definitely something we work on pretty much on a daily basis. Again, as you said, if there's extremely talented people in the room, no doubt there's going to be ego in the room as well. Yeah. Um so I would say for, you know, just kind of keeping that in check. Again, just making sure that, you know, we offer an open kind of an open book policy, you know, coming mm-hmm. from our corporate office always available to talk always available to sit down and you know anyone who has any concerns you know my CEO does an amazing job at kind of being you know being present um, mm-hmm. and another thing is we're our corporate team you know my CEO myself is the director of marketing and we have a newly appointed director of operations so we are in the units which might not be as possible you know if you have like a lar- larger number of restaurants um, but we're in the units weekly talking to our teams, getting to know our hourly staff, getting to know, you know, working closely with our chef teams, working closely yeah. with, you know, everyone from like the busser to, you know, the the general manager running the whole operation. We don't lead with it, so I think that that's kind of how we enable people to be like, "Hey, you know, we're super relatable. You know, we come to us with anything." And again, just reminding people we're all working towards that same goal building sales brand awareness guest satisfaction all of that kind of stuff
0: that is awesome and so Tableside manages a bunch of different brands yes are your strategies when it comes to the marketing are your strategies different for how you engage the customers of those different brands or is that like the same strategy that's getting applied across the board
1: so it is different um at all of our brands because all of our brands are so different. Um, mm. I can kind of highlight a kind of just like a really quick general uh, synopsis of what each brand is. If you want me absolutely. to, absolutely,
0: that will be great. Actually.
1: Awesome. So tableside has been around for about 15 years now. We have a flagship brand and location called Libby's neighborhood brasserie and that is kind of a like an elevated fine dining yet casual location. We have two of those. Um the first one like I said opened in 2008, so it's a very kind of well-known destination in in our city Sarasota. Um and then we have Circo, which is a taco and bourbon joint, very mm-hmm. casual. It's not fast casual. It's still full, you know, full service and dining. Um, but it's kind of funky. We play like loud rap music. We have crazy lights. We have like a chalk wall. We do like chef inspired tacos. We're kind of tongue in cheek over at Circo. So that strategy, you know, we targeted completely different demographic for the Circo, and it's located in our downtown area. You know, again, so kind of targeting, I would say, the millennial, you know, Gen Z kind of demographic. And then lastly, the last thing we added to our portfolio was a brewery. Um, Good Liquid Brewing Company, we added about a year ago um, in kind of a really growing part of the city. And that's been super fun. But that, again, it's a brewery and, you know, beer enthusiasts are, you know, beer enthusiasts. So we really try and we really kind of toggle between targeting um, beer fanatics. And then obviously, we have an amazing menu at this location. So we, we toggle in our marketing efforts, we really toggle back and forth between targeting beer people and then food people.
0: How do you go for each of those brands? How do you go about engaging your local communities? Because like, those are the people, of course, um, being Sarasota, that means that you, you get a lot of tourist tourism, like people that are coming there. And they're not living in Sarasota the whole year, right? But like, how do, how do you engage that local community that is going to be like you want them to come back often so you can actually have that uh, loyal customer base there? Is that different how how you engage with those local communities for different brands?
1: It is slightly different, but kind of the over the overarching um, idea is going to be the same. For example, like a loyalty program, we have a very aggressive loyalty program in all of our locations, mm-hmm. and they're, you know, they're all the same, the same program. It's the same provider, um, but we kind of tweaked the amounts. Like, spend hundred dollars, get ten back at, you know, our our lower price point location, and then at, you know, the Libby's, which is kind of an elevated fi- casual dining, it's a little bit more. Spend one hundred and fifty, get twenty five dollars back. So we kind of start at the bottom with the loyalty program and then we kind of graduate into like kind of weekly and special offers. And then we go up to like social media and brand awareness where we, you know, we monetize a lot of that. Um, you know, we monetize Facebook ads and Instagram promotions and, you know, we utilize influencers. Um, that's kind of Mm -hmm. been a new, like a year and a half we've been using a lot of influencers, um, in our locations, uh, And we kind of pick and choose, hey, this person, we, you know, form partnerships with them and decide, you know, this person would be great to promote our brand. So those are just kind of some of the overall strategies that we use. And we do kind of copy and paste in a way, you know, for each location. For
0: each location. You try something, works well for, for one brand, it might work well for the other brand, so you can actually replicate it there. And then, so, um, two uh, two areas that I want to go in there. Influencer marketing is definitely an area that I want to go go in there. And then the other side of it is, like, the, the campaigns that has been successful, and, of course, the campaigns that hasn't been successful have, have fell flat. Uh, let, let's go to, to the influencer marketing, because that's probably something very interesting for a lot of our listeners. How do you pick... Uh, how do you select the influencers that you want to partner with, uh, to run your, your, your influencer marketing strategy on?
1: So we, so in the, my marketing team, I do have like a social media director of manager, social media manager. Um, and her job is to kind of be really in tune to our social media platforms. You know, we're Mm -hmm. extremely active on Instagram, on Facebook, we're active on TikTok. um, So the goal for, for our social media manager is to kind of comb through the influencers in our local area and then extending Mm -hmm. into like the next major city, which would be Tampa Bay, which is a huge, you know, huge metropolitan area. Um, So she kind of goes through, kind of gets a read on where certain, and we do target definitely like food centric influencers and there's a lot of them. So, you know people influencers that explore different parts of the, you know, different parts of communities, but with a food focus. So we kind of select based on that. And then, you know, we get in touch with them. We kind of set up like an a meet and greet. And then, you know, we work with our teams. Hey, we, you know, send out an invite, we say, hey, this influencer's coming in. We decide what we're going to offer them. We make a deal with the influencer um, and then we kind of go from there. And then we do get a lot of content to use that way, like photos Mm -hmm. and video, which that's kind of priceless. You know what I mean? It's like we have our stock photography that we use, but then the influencer kind of allows us to give like a unique spin on anything that, you know, we want to promote. If it's a limited time offer menu, if it's an upcoming event, if it's a new happy hour, a new cocktail that we're rolling out. So that's kind of how the strategy behind that. And then another thing, if I might add, is um, influencer events, which Mm -hmm. we haven't really seen a lot of this in our market, but we've seen it in the larger markets. But it's pretty much what it suggests is hosting probably 10 to 12 influencers and kind of doing a mass like Influencer event and we invite them, we kind of make our tables look beautiful and then we decide on a menu and then we send out like plates and, you know, make a special menu for them and then we get tons of content. We've seen a lot of engagement. We did one a couple weeks ago at Circo and we saw... Our engagement kind of went through the roof um, for that social media, you know, that social media platform with the end goal, of course, being to translate directly to sales. It's not just like, let's have an influencer event.
0: How do you measure that? Because like, I think that's one part that is not very easily relatable and you cannot easily measure that. Like how much, like we are getting an an influx of people that are coming in. Is that because of, the, the influencer campaign that we are running, or is that because of something else, or even uh, which influencer is actually driving more of that? Um, so, so how how do you go about measuring the success of your influencer marketing strategy?
1: Right. So that's an awesome question, and I think it's something that we're still kind of working on. You know, actually measuring that return on investment. But I would definitely say that there is a direct correlation with sales immediately following these influencer mm-hmm. events. It You could think of it as kind of a spike. So generally yeah. following the events, we do see an increase in sales like on the daily average for like probably a week. And then it does kind of taper off. Um, but as the influencers reshare and I mean, everyone kind of knows how, how that works is – you see an influencer, you follow an influencer, they post about a place that you, you know, you might be interested in going to, you make a note of it and hey, next time I'm in the area, make sure I check this place out. Yeah. Um, so that is really hard to measure. And we don't know if people are coming in, you know, because they saw it on, you know, so and so's in, uh, Instagram account. But I do think in general, we do generally see like a spike. And there's just kind of what goes along with the influencer, um, you know, the world of influencers is, oh, hey, I saw these, you know, I saw them at Circo. I saw them at Libby's. So it's for out for millennial and Gen Z, I really think that helps like kind of get the word out there. Um, and again, would would hopefully translate to more sales.
0: Absolutely. And do you guys do anything in terms of trying to turn those let's say one-time customers that are finding you through these influencers into a loyal customer that's coming back often? And like, if so, what are the strategies that you use for, like you're getting these new customers through these the uh, influencer marketing and getting them into coming back uh, multiple times a, a month rather right. than once every time that that influencer is posting something and they haven't tried Circo, for example, as one of the brands.
1: Right, so for example, I mean, with Circo, I know that... Again, our, our target demographic is going to be those, you know, like the 45, you know, whatever, 18 to 50, I would say, age range. Um, yeah. And in an effort, I mean, we want to keep them engaged, right? So yeah. we want to keep them interested in what we offer, keep them coming back. So we are always doing like little social media blasts, like posts, mm-hmm. you know, take a photo of us post it online and be entered to win, you know, $300 in Circo gift cards. And those have been really popular in the past. Um, and then we, so yeah, you know, tagging us and sharing us on social brands, um, making sure people are aware of what our, you know, what our social media um, tags are, you know, at Circo SRQ, um, just really making sure. And then obviously making sure that our team members, you know, the people that are running the floor and, you know, our service staff are are super knowledgeable and aware of kind of everything that's going on at all times. So they can speak to, you know, hey, I saw this, you know, I saw I came here because I saw you were on, you know, so and so's page. Yeah. And then the, the the staff member can kind of speak on that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, maybe give them some insider information or something like that, you know.
0: That's that's interesting. That that's exciting. And so my my other question that the that the other topic that I wanted to to, uh, to go into before we started uh, to go deeper on the influencer marketing was around your general campaigns and what have you seen successful. But most importantly, and I think most most uh, probably interesting, gonna be the ones that you have tried that you thought it's gonna be good, and they they uh, they felt flat. Because I think that's that's where you can have the, the most uh, most learning. so uh, maybe give us Absolutely. examples of, of of some of those campaigns that worked well and campaigns that really didn't
1: right so I have a I have a recent example for um, for Circo, the one that we keep referencing. Yeah. so you know when we start planning, we've already started planning for twenty twenty three every year we start planning, we put our different ideas into the pot. You know, we decide what are what we're gonna do based around what holidays coming up, based around football season, based around whatever you know, whatever is coming up on the calendar. You know, in an yeah. effort to capture more guests. Um, so one, and again, this kind of mirrors back to what I was saying about ego and just you know, biting the bullet, saying this didn't work. So we um, circle. We're always trying to do fun, engaging, you know, promotions and. We recently did a like a football promotion um, for football Saturdays at Circo. And we, you know, we spent money on on graphic design. We spent money on, um, you know, different collateral in the stores. We bought a beer pong table. Mm -hmm. Um, So we did put money into this promotion, which we put into all of our promotions. But we were just consistently seeing, um, you know, very little engagement. We kind of took a deeper dive into it. We were like, maybe this isn't working out. And so we kind of decided to pull the plug on that promotion as it was. And it's always kind of disappointing, um, especially if you're like, oh, at the beginning, you're excited about it. But when it's just not, no one's excited about it, there's no return on investment, kind of deciding to pull the plug. So we kept it rolling for about six weeks. We, our guest counts didn't increase, you know, our sales kind of stayed the same. So we're like, instead of throwing energy towards this promotion, let's just pull the plug on it. And that's happened. I mean, that's happened quite a few times in in my career. And it always kind of sucks, but it's just not putting the energy and the effort into something that's not working.
0: And it's knowing that it's not working. I think that's the important part is that, okay? it's not working. (laughs) And like, I think it goes back to your point about keeping your ego out of it. It's not working. If the data shows me that it's not working, that is fine. This is this was just one idea. We we have so many other ideas that we can try on. And go next. And being able to pull the plug, like having a timeline, like what you mentioned, six weeks to see if it's working, it should have some impact. If it's not having exactly. impact, that that's that means that it's not working. So thanks, thanks for sharing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had to do it, you know, a couple of times with some of our limited time offer menus as well, because um, we're not like fully corporate. We only have locations locally, so it's not like we, you know, it's not like we're a Chili's or an Applebee's. Or a cheesecake factory so our you know our resources are more limited than some of those larger brands so it's just kind of always really we stick very very tightly to our margins as you know restaurants yeah. have very very tight margins as it is so oftentimes the marketing it's you know i, I have to get very creative with how you know my, where my where my spend is going
0: absolutely absolutely and that, that's super important just to just to make sure that you can deploy your budget uh correctly uh now uh, Alex, before I let you go, there's one question that I usually ask for everyone, and I, I'm gonna change it up for you to, to be more focused on on marketing because I think you're gonna have a, a ton of uh, ton of advice for our for our listeners. Uh, for somebody that uh, wants to start a restaurant or have started a restaurant and then they're they're just running that, what are the the most important advice when it comes to marketing that you have for those people, those restaurant owners just started, and, like what should they focus on? to be able to get people into the restaurants and keep those people coming back?
1: So that's a great question. Um, I would really look at it in terms of levels. So there's different, definitely different levels of marketing. And level one would be creating a very clear and cohesive brand for your restaurant, meaning, you know, spend a little bit of money to have decent graphics, you know, have a have a nice clear logo. Um spend a little bit of money again, I mean, on getting a menu that's suitable for the location printed. From there, I would say you have to be on social media. You do not have to hire someone for that position, but just make sure that anything you're putting out there, what I call guest facing, um is going to be, you know, is going to align with your brand and again, in this day and age, it's really quality of the images, quality of the video and just kind of staying um, staying on top of everything that's trending. And I really think that because everyone knows you hear of a new restaurant, the first thing most people are going to do is whether no matter what their generation is either Google it, and then my generation is going to probably look it up on Instagram or yeah. <laughs> even TikTok definitely facebook at least and i find that a lot of a lot of concepts that are interested in long-term growth they definitely need to have a social media strategy kind of aligned with that
0: yeah no that's great alex thank you so much for being so generous with your time and your knowledge Uh, it was great conversation thank you
1: absolutely